Welcome to Storehouse Dallas. Um, so today is baptism Sunday. We love to baptize people. We love to see them go under and come up the new man. And, um, and so I wanted to talk about that this morning. But I want to talk to you not just about the baptism of water, but I want to talk to you about the two baptisms. How many of you knew that there's two baptisms? All right, so I'm in a charismatic community, so I think that everybody's pretty aware of that. But for those of you that are watching online, I'm going to bring you into um, what I believe is the full gospel of Jesus Christ. And so these two baptisms work together like hand and glove. You know, it's like I've got a hand, the baptism of water, and then I put on a glove, which is the baptism of fire. You know, you don't want to go out with either one of those, you know, right? All right. So I have a question for you. How did Satan gain access to the earth? Through man, right? How did Satan gain access to the earth? Through man. How does Satan gain access today through the earth? Through man, right? How did God gain access to the earth, through Jesus, through the Son of Man, who had to die in order to return us back to God. How does God gain access today to the earth? Through man. I just want you to let that sit there for a minute. Because you play a vital role with God in the earth. You are so important to God that he gave his only son to get you back so that he and you could take the earth. All right, let's talk about John the Baptist. Turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3. All right, John preached a baptism of repentance. We're going to start in um, verse 3. John preached a baptism of repentance, and he describes Jesus' ministry under the new covenant, and he says a couple of things to summarize this scripture. He says that that the the New Testament and the and the and the new covenant, the ministry of Jesus Christ, will bring the fullness and will bring wholeness. So that means that prior to the New Testament, we weren't full. Prior to the New Testament we were not complete or whole. And so there was something lacking and something missing. And he said, hey, I'm going to give you something. It's going to fill you up. I don't know about y'all, but I like when I have a full tank of gas in my car. I like it when I have a refrigerator full of great food. I like the idea of fullness I like the idea of, of wholeness that I would be complete and whole and lacking nothing, right? So he says this, let's go ahead and read it in Luke chapter 3, 
verse 3. Let's start there. And he went into the region around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sin. As it is written in Isaiah, the prophet saying, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Every valley will be filled or the fullness and every mountain and hill brought down, removed in other words, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. So he's talking about several things here. Let's look at the three things that he discusses. He says, number one, the baptism of repentance. And so he says, listen, uh, John's message was this. So John comes and he comes to prepare the way. He says, okay, I am actually here to prepare you for something else that's gonna come. Now, when you are sent to prepare the way, let's say you're working and and you're thinking to yourself strategically in my business, I actually have to strategically do one thing before my company is ready for the next thing. And so I've got to think in terms of stages. And so the Lord gives us John the Baptist. He sends him in the spirit of Elijah to prepare the way, right? And so that's what he does. And so he says this. These two aspects of committing your life to Jesus. Number one, he talks about repentance. You have to repent, and he's talking about repentance, and he's talking about it in accordance with the baptism of water, okay? You have to repent. You have to change your mind, and then symbolically, the baptism of water is a symbol of the, of the cleansing of that new man. And so everything's been cleaned or wiped clean. It's really hard if I have a company or a business to try to shift and change things when we've had a, a certain amount of um, of ways of doing things that are uh, that have been historically like five, six, ten years, and everybody's accustomed to the same old way. And then you come in and you say, "Okay, we're going to have to change things." And you have all of these people that freak out. How many of you do have know that? Nobody likes change. You're all like, what? What? What are we doing? Something new? So what the Lord does is he says, I'm going to lead you to repentance. In other words, I'm going to take and erase everything in your brain so that you can start on a fresh canvas. And I'm going to dip you in this water. And you're going to come out a new man, right? Because repentance means what? Right, to change your mind, to change your mind. So what he needed is he needed a mind that was changed to receive Jesus so they would know when Jesus showed up of who he was, but also receive what he was saying and doing, right? Baptism of water is an outward sign of an inward repentance. So this change of perspective, what it does is it prepares you for the new thing that's about to be delivered, right? And so the second thing he talks about is the remission of sins. Forgiveness is the most amazing gift, giving us a new beginning to have confidence to go before God. You know, the thing about shame is shame makes you want to hide, how many of you have friends or relatives or whatever, and you're in relationship with them, and they, 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 they do something, they fall into sin or something, and all of a sudden you're like, where'd they go? Why did they disappear? Well, they're hiding because of shame. I hate shame. You know, but God is saying, no, 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 don't run away. 
from me, run to me, and I'm going to cover you with my love. Have the confidence to know that I am the one that can give you relief. I am the one that can forgive you and wash you clean. And then the third thing is prepare the way for the Lord. John's ministry basically consisted of making a way, being the first step to the second step. So the preaching of John was this. He had two messages. Number one, a call to repentance. So turning your Bibles, we're already there. You're already there at Luke 3. I want to continue on because he said something about repentance because repentance does something. It creates something. There's actually evidence of repentance. So for example, if you know people that say, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, and there's no, they're bearing no fruits worthy of repentance, I would question their conversion experience. I can tell you from personal experience that I lived on the earth with an intellectual understanding that Jesus was the Son of God, but I had zero conversion experience. I had zero evidence of repentance in my life. I had never repented. I had never surrendered. I had never asked Jesus to be Lord of my life. So he's not just your Savior. Guess what? He gets to be the jefe. That's Spanish for boss. I lived in Mexico for two years. That's about all I got out of it. All right, so let's read um, Luke 3, verse 7. Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance, and do not begin to say to yourself, we have Abraham as our father. So the people asked him, saying, what shall we do then? He answered and said to them, he who has two tunics, let him give to him who has none, and he who has food, let him do likewise. Then the tax collector said to him, teacher, what should we do? And he said to them, collect no more than what is appointed to you. Likewise, the soldiers asked him, saying, what should we do? And he said, do not intimidate anyone or accuse falsely and be content with your wages. So he's saying, listen, here's the thing. Everybody who has repented, you can actually see that in the workplace, they live a different kind of life. And people should look at you and say, wait a minute, there's something different about you. You're fair, you're just, you're honest. And so I can see that you're a different kind of person, especially in the culture that we live in today. It is especially crucial that we bear fruits worthy of repentance. All right, so truth, faith also cares about the poor. They care about somebody that's hurting, and your heart should be filled with compassion to say, whatever it takes, I will weaken myself because I count the things that I've been given as not belonging to me, but it belongs to everyone. All right? So the superiority of the baptism of Jesus. Let's talk about that for a minute. So John speaks of Jesus as the coming Messiah, and he says this in Luke chapter 3, still there, uh, verse 15. He says this, John answered and said, Indeed, I baptize you with water. That's the first baptism. But one is mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. The second baptism is this. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly cleanse out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into his barn. But the chaff will burn with unquenchable fire." So he says here, he said, listen, I'm just here to prepare the way. I'm just clearing the decks. 
John's like, I'm clearing the decks, man, so you can receive something that's even greater. There is one that is coming after me that's going to introduce another baptism. You have to get baptized with water. But beloved, let me tell you something. That baptism of fire, that's the money. That's where the fun is. That's where the glory is. That's where the revelation is. Amen? The winnowing fork. Interesting words he uses there. We don't use a lot of those these days, so I'll tell you what it is. So it basically refers to the work of the baptism of fire in the human soul. And it says that it's a fork-like shovel that is used to throw grain and chaff and husk and straw into the air, and the wind carries the chaff away from the heavier grain, which then falls to the ground. See, the Holy Spirit does this to the soul life. It cleanses your soul. So it separates between what? Soul and spirit. It comes and it throws it up in the air, your soul, and the Holy Spirit hits it with fire and the good stuff falls and the bad stuff gets taken away. And the good stuff is basically just your wonderful personality, sense of humor. Right? The essence of who you are. You will never know who you are if you don't know it through the power and the eyes of God. The true you is still waiting to be discovered. Right? And once you find it, watch out world. There's no holding you back because you're like, yeah, I'm awesome. <laughs> Me and God, man, I am awesome. Let me tell you a joke. <laughs> All right, so. Jesus is baptized by John. Okay, let's talk about this. Aisha, I love you. All right, so at, at the water baptism, here's Jesus, right? And um, Luke uh, chapter 3, verse tw uh, 21, follow along with me. It came to pass that Jesus also was baptized, and while he prayed, the heavens opened, and the Holy Spirit descended bodily form like a dove upon him. And the voice came from heaven, which said, you are my beloved son, in you I am well pleased. So God, uh, so John agreed to baptize Jesus. He said, I'm going to do it because I'm going to fulfill all righteousness through this act. But I would really think you need to be baptizing me. He knew who he was about to baptize. And think about that. I mean, I don't know about you, but, you know, when you do ministry and Jesus walks in and said, hey, can you pray for me? I'm like, Boop. I'm thinking you should probably pray for me. I'm a little intimidated. So it's kind of how he was feeling in that moment. And John tried to prevent him saying, I need to be baptized from you, but you are coming to me. But Jesus said again, Fulfill righteousness. I'm telling you, there is, is something that happens when you go through the water of baptism. There is a righteousness that happens and you are fulfilling the word of God and following along the letters of his word. So um, in, in Jesus' water baptized, he, what he does is he accepts his messianic priesthood. And, and it, it's interesting at those, now I want to show you all throughout the word, you'll see that there's a water baptism and there's a baptism of fire. So what happens is Jesus comes up out of the water and what happens? The Holy Spirit falls on him like a dove and speaks from heaven. So the anointing comes on him to now operate fully in his priesthood. 
And let me tell you something. I don't care what you do. I don't care if you're a dreamer. I don't care if you're a, you're a poet. If you're a, whatever it is that you do for a living, you are a priest of the Most High God. Read Isaiah 61. You're, to, you're called by God to build up and to tear down by your words. The anointing of God came on them at Pentecost and it hit their brains and it hit their mouths. Oh, a holy mind and holy words. Amen? All right, so the baptism of Jesus, both John and Jesus came to baptize, right? All right, so uh, let's turn to John chapter 3. Let's, uh, let's look at the conversation that Jesus is having with uh, Nicodemus. God bless you. Wow. Wow. Awesome. Are you still with us? <laughs> Somebody go perform CPR back there, whatever. All right, so verse 1, chapter 3, verse 1. There was a son of, there was a, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So he's talking about the born again experience. Verse four, Nicodemus said to him, what? What are you talking about? How can a man be born again if he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water, bam, right in front of me, water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit is the spirit. And so he's talking about the two baptisms. There's got to be a dunking in water, and there is no evidence anywhere in the Bible that you're supposed to be flicked on your head with water, okay? It is a full immersion. I'm just saying that's the way the Word tells us to do it. So you got to go all the way under. you got to hold your breath, okay, so that the breath of God can come on you, okay? So Jesus talks about these two baptisms again. And I want to read this part again because it's so beautiful. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. How many of you want to enter the kingdom of God? I don't want to be stuck in the earth. God, I don't want to be an earthling. You know, man, I belong in the heavenly places, right? That's where we belong. We legislate from those places. We're supposed to be in the council of the Lord. Yep. Got to get my glasses on again. Sorry. They go up and they go off and they, you know, pray for my eyes. Yes. Be healed in Jesus' name. All right. So, um... John says this, he, he talks about these two baptisms, and um, so I want you to turn now, a lot of words, or you can read it on the, on the um, screen. So uh, in Acts 1, verses 4 and 5, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me, for, remember, here we are again, for number one, John 
truly baptized with water, but you shall be, number two, baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Luke 24, 49, behold, I send the promise of the Father, but tarry or wait in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. So all of the people that he's talking to have already received the first baptism. So everybody who was in the upper room had already been dunked. They had already believed. And so he knew that they now were ready to receive the promise of the Father. So there's both. There's not one, but there's two. If you, and I'm going to talk to you about this, if you just have one, you're not going to have fun. It rhymes. So it must be from God. I truly believe that the book of Acts is God's declaration for his will for his people. So the second baptism, he described, uh, Peter, after it all happens, he's like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, what just happened? Now you have to understand, we're, we're a charismatic church. So when you see me up here and I'm like thundering in tongues, it's not that weird. I mean, it is weird, but, but it's not that, but we know we're like, okay, something's happening here. We can all understand that we need to get in with whatever it, the Lord is doing. Right? So there's, a, there's a, an awareness. There was none of that. When the Holy Spirit broke in, Peter is like, um, 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 okay, I think I got it. I think I got it. And so he says in Acts 2, verse 32, this Jesus God has raised up, of which we are all witnesses, therefore being exalted at the right hand of the Father and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to the heavens, but he said to himself, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said, um, what should we do? Men and brethren, that's what, uh, okay, I lost my place, sorry. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what should we do? And then Peter said to them, number one, repent. Let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And two, you will receive a gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise is to you and your children and who are or far all and the Lord will call. Okay, so I know I read that really fast, but I'm on a schedule. So, because we want to dip you. But here's what I want to tell you. Here's what I want to tell you. There is a story, and you've heard me say this. I had that dream. Remember the dream I had? I was, I was in chapters, Revelation chapters four and five. And Jesus said to me in that dream, this is my all in all. Revelation four and five. Jesus got the scroll. He got the scroll. And so, so what, what was it that was happening there? It was the baptism of the spirit. This is a holy and weighty subject. Jesus, something greater happened and was in the heart of Jesus than his crucifixion. There was something greater that was in the heart of Jesus than his resurrection. There was something greater in the heart of Jesus than his glorification. It was the outpouring 
of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of fire, that would create a new race in the earth so that you would be glorified with him in perfection so that you could help him take the earth and he could come home and be with us forever. It was the promise of the baptism of fire and the Holy Spirit. He gave his shedded blood. He shed his blood for this very thing. That's what that, that right there was the joy that was set before him. It was the joy. You were the joy set before him, fully illuminated with light because there's a fire in you. You ask for breakthrough. You ask for favor. Beloved, let me tell you something. Fire creates favor. Fire creates favor. So I want to talk to you about these two things. Let's explore what happens with these two baptisms. There are two prepositions that the Bible uses in association with these two baptisms. So I'm going to get out my grammar here. Y'all remember prepositions? Remember the ones you had to memorize like into, on, in, what's another one? About, thank you, under, right? Okay, so that's just a refresher course. <laughs> Y'all did so well. Especially Kim. I saw you back there, man, you know, just owning it. All right, so let's talk about the first. So Jesus talks about that the Holy Spirit will be in us. So the Spirit of God will be in you. Romans 8, 9, if the Spirit of God does not dwell in you, that means you're not a Christian. Right? That's elementary. What happens? You, what you do is you repent, you believe, you receive, and you get baptized. Okay? What's the acronym? Rubber. Rubber. <laughs> R, B, B, R, rubber. Repent, believe, be, bab be baptized, receive the Holy Spirit. That's how you do it. All right, rubber. Everybody remember that. Rubber. Because a lot of you need to be leading people to the Lord. All you need to remember is rubber. Okay, not going to touch that. <laughs> spirit of God will be in you. The spirit of God does not dwell in you. You cannot be a Christian. The spirit of God dwells in every born again believer. When you're born again, you receive the indwelling spirit. And here's what it does. It connects the spirit of God to your spirit. So there is a spirit to spirit connection when you are born again. And so your spirit goes, oh, oh. Yeah, I'm home. That's my dad. That's my dad. I'm there, okay? And then this other thing happens. The second preposition is upon, okay? Remember he said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes, what? Upon you. So every time you see the word upon, it is in reference to power and the gifts of the Spirit. Okay, so there's two things. You're going to have through the baptism of water, through the repentance and the remission of sins, you are going to receive the Holy Spirit that is where? In you. 
And then when you receive the baptism of fire, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. Okay. Very good. All right. When the, when the spirit comes upon you, there's a oneness. Uh, I mean, when the spirit comes in you, there's a oneness that happens. First Corinthians 16, 6, 17 says, he who joins himself to the Lord becomes one with the spirit. And I know, hey, look, I know this is a thing. I know this is a thing because there are so many denominations out there and so many different ways that everybody does it. And, you know, as charismatics, you have to understand about these two baptisms because you have to be able to clearly articulate it and clearly have an understanding of why you're a charismatic or Pentecostal or whatever you want to call it. Okay. All right. So you're one with God when the Spirit comes in you and lives in you. But you don't just have a spirit. You have a soul. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, he's actually coming upon your mind, your will, and your emotions. Okay? Now, bear with me here. Your mind is what you think with. Your emotions are what you react with. Your will is what you decide with. So when the Holy Spirit comes on you and upon you, what he's doing is he's bringing to you the knowledge of God. Not just the knowledge of God, but the knowledge of who you are in God. By that, it unlocks the spirit that is on the inside of you so that that spirit now can begin to come out like living water and affect the world around you. The Holy Spirit and fire is the key that unlocks a door that gives the knowledge of God to you, a revelation of the truth of who you are so that you can now begin to see and hear and declare the truth of God. And so now the Holy Spirit through this lands on your eyes, your ears, and your mouth. Are y'all with me? This is where the signs, the wonders, and the miracles start to happen. The, 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 the signs and the wonders and the miracles are not coming from outside of you. When you lay hands on somebody, the kingdom of heaven or, the, or the, the living water is on the inside of you. And you touch someone and that living water or that fire now gets imparted to them and it touches them and heals them. Are you with me? Does that make sense? Do you understand? Okay. Amen. Now. Through the Spirit of God coming upon you, you become conscious of this, of who you truly are, and it's where faith comes into play, and you're like, I believe not only in who God is, but I believe in who God is in me. Therefore, I am a roaring lion, and all hell better get out of my way. Right? My son, who is in Southeast Asia, I won't tell you where because this is being recorded. It's like a secret. Um, 
but he's in Southeast Asia, and through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they're seeing all kinds of really cool things happen. And, um, you know, there's a lot of spiritual warfare that goes on there. And he was telling me about, you know, some stuff that was happening. And, and I said, well, were you scared about that? You know, like um, people, you know, manifesting demons and everything. I mean, how did you feel about that? And he said, I'm not afraid. The one that lives in me is greater than the one who is in the world. And I'm like... you know, what every mother longs to hear from her 19-year-old. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Yeah, I may just give Samuel the church when he gets back. It's like, okay, fresh out of the mission field. You take it. All right, so turning your uh, Bibles to Acts 18. I have, we're going we're gonna to close this up. I quote this all the time because I think it's just so incredible. And this is a great scripture for you to land on if somebody doesn't understand about the two baptisms. All right, so you got this guy. His name is Apollos, right? And he's going around and he's preaching the word. And um, it says in verse uh, chapter 18, verse 24, Now a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria. I'm, I kind of went ahead. I think you've got uh, verse 26 up there. So just keep it right there. Um, now, a certain Jew named Apollos, born in Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and talked accurately the things of the Lord, though he knew only the baptism of John. All right, so I want to address this. Most of the church today, they only know the baptism of John. They only know the baptism of John. So they have the Holy Spirit in them, but they do not have, the Holy Spirit has not come upon them. And so they haven't received the second baptism. Without the second baptism, there can be no fire. There can be no, you can, you can talk in principles you can, you can say this, uh, let me talk to you about the Bible, but the Bible has not come alive through them and there will be no book of Acts in their life. Do y'all hear me? This isn't, I'm not trying to bring condemnation, but I am trying to bring an explanation so that we have understanding so that you can do this. Because it's we, we're not here to condemn, we're here to help. We're not here to accuse, we're here to intercede and to begin to bring all of our brothers into the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay? Because uh, you, everything we have is a free gift, right? I was brought into this not by my own might or strength, but by the power of the love of Jesus Christ. All right, so uh, verse 26. So he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. Now, when Aquila and Priscilla heard him, they took him aside and they explained to him the way of God more accurately. So he had a measure of the truth, but he didn't have the fullness of the truth. And when he desired to, uh, to cross, okay, let's go down. Um, I don't think you have this on, so I'm just going to go uh, through my book. You don't have this up here. Chapter 19, and it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples. And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? 
So they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. Now, I can tell you that again, here we are again, a lot of the church hasn't even heard about the Holy Spirit. They don't even know about the gifts of the Spirit or the Holy Spirit and all of this. And so it's just not being taught. And so it was the same with some of those people there. They hadn't received the fullness of the truth accurately. Uh, And so verse 3, and he said to them, into what were you baptized? So they said, into John's baptism, the water baptism. And and Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, that is on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he laid hands on them. The Holy Spirit came, where? Upon them. And they spoke in new tongues and prophesied. 